This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling with your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining us, we'd like to welcome you to episode number 43. I am your host, Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and I've done flap the wrong jack, son, because <laughs> this week had so much to talk about on WWTV. We had the fallout from Clash of Champions on SmackDown Live, and then over on Raw, we had, well, we had a mass, one big massive announcement, another a pretty big announcement as well. We also had some debuts, we had an injury we got to talk about, and and then also, at some point later on the show, we got to talk about Ring of Honor because they had a big pay-per-view and some major stuff happened. Yeah, on final that. battle was last weekend. NXT put on an incredible show this week. We have to talk about that. There's so much to talk about, Nick. Oh, well, let's do it. Let's just get right into it. Let's not waste any time and start with the big news. Well, the number one thing we have to talk about this week was the very last thing that happened on Raw. And that was in the middle of a giant kerfuffle with all the women in a ring. It was initially a match between uh, what two members of Absolution and I don't even remember what it was at the beginning. It was a, it was a women's match. But then in the middle of the whole thing, all the women come running out of the ring. There's all this chaos. Everyone's beating up everybody. And who should come out but Stephanie McMahon. And all the women stop like like scolded schoolgirls and just kind of stand quietly as as Lady McMahon walks down to the ring and shows everyone how awesome she is by standing in the middle of all of them and looking like a princess and then announcing that this year for the first time ever at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, there will be a women's Royal Rumble. I called it. Yeah. Well, this was actually, it was has been speculated on for a while. This yep. has been something that was... People were saying they've got enough women. They just called up five people from NXT and Paige returned. They've got a ton of women that are not only good wrestlers, capable. Uh, they can go like and our personalities. You've got enough women. You could do this. And they did. I remember us talking about this over the summer off the back of the money, women's first ever women's money in the bank match. Yeah. Ladder match. And they referenced that. They said, we'll yeah. have the, we had the first women's money in the bank. We had the first hell in a cell. Like what other, what else could they do? Uh, we still said the tag division might happen with yep. the women, but this is another major step. They're having a women's Royal rumble. And you know, I, I could take an aside and kind of bitch about Stephanie once again, taking the spotlight and making it about her and look how awesome she is for being so nice to let all these women have their shots. You know, all you women have done so well that I'm going to allow history to be made because I'm Stephanie McMahon. Look at my Connors Cure button. 
You know, it's and if there's ever a time for a yes chant, it's now. Oh, shut! Uh, up. I I almost threw up. Yeah. No. Aside from that, I I that didn't even as Stephanie as that was, it didn't take away from the fact that this is a momentous occasion. Yeah. And it's also very exciting. It is extremely. I mean, 2017 has been an incredible year for the women's division and she out, she laid out a lot of those things, you know, kind of culminating in the women's championship match that went down in Abu Dhabi recently between Sasha Banks and Alexa bliss kind of being the, the last big thing that of 2017 leading into this Royal rumble women's match. And, and she did point out, she called Sasha out specifically and said, Sasha, you know, you heard the chance of this is hope yeah. from that audience. And, yeah, that's I mean, it's a big deal. Stephanie McMahon's ego aside, it's this is all awesome, awesome stuff. Yeah, uh, I was a little bit. The other thing I was a little irritated about with how they presented it was it just it was a weird way to go off the air with everyone kind of like half chanting because they were like, oh, I don't really want to do Stephanie McMahon's bidding, but this is cool. Uh, but then also having all the women in the ring kind of breaking kayfabe. Not, not kind of. They just they it totally was completely just, just done. All the storylines out the window. Yeah. Uh, you know, Absolution standing shoulder to shoulder with everybody else and hugging everybody else. And you know, people they're kind of, kind of keeping kayfabe. Paige, the only one who's still selling the fact that she was just in a, a, a brutal match. But uh, you know, again, all the nitpicking with the presentation aside, it's a really exciting announcement. One hundred percent agree. I, I've been excited about the women's division all year. So let's speculate, Ian. Let's let's oh, yes. talk about. We, Let's get we, into it. There is a roster full of women that could be in this match tomorrow where I get excited, and I think I speak for a majority of people when it comes to the Royal Rumble matches. It's more about the surprises of who's going to come out sure. at the clock countdown, who's going to come out next. Well, let's let, let's start with this. On the main roster alone, currently active, you've got about 20 or 21 women. If they do do a 30-woman rumble, which, you know, it could be a 21, a 20-person one, which would be fine, but it wouldn't be as exciting. A 30-person one, I think, lends itself to more excitement for, as you said, surprises. Because if there's if it's a 20-person one, we can pretty much guess everyone who could be in it. Right. And there's not going to be a whole lot of surprises. And I wouldn't be surprised if they just played it safe for the very first one and just used who was all on the active roster with maybe one or two surprises. But as you say, there's room here for eight to ten in a a 30-person match if they do make it that big. And I can think of eight to ten women that they could sneak in right now. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Between NXT call-ups and older stars coming back. You know, already... Uh, online, Trish Stratus has thrown her hat in the ring oh. to come back for this. Oh. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Lita come back for this either. I don't know if she's in wrestling shape or not, but quite possibly. I mean, Lord knows they've had men come back into the match that aren't in wrestling condition and they show up yeah. and do a spot or two and get thrown out. So it's it's not unrealistic to think of some you know some of the older uh, the, the the more the divas, if you will, kind of the stars, of the divas division who were legit wrestlers just at the wrong time coming back for this. We just had the May Young classic and you had a ton of women in that who could have who could absolutely show up for this. You have a ton of women in NXT who could show up for this, who are ready to come up women who we haven't seen a lot of in recent weeks on NXT, who I think they might be prepping to come up as well. Basically, <laughs> Shayna Baszler, they're promoing for NXT, though, and that's one I don't think is going to be called up for the Rumble, although it is possible. Uh, Bianca Belair is one I could see coming up. Kyrie Sane, obviously. Lacey Evans. Peyton Royce. Uh, you know, those are ones I see coming up. 
Uh, people coming back, obviously, we said Trish and Lita are obviously big possibilities. Beth Phoenix is a Beth possible. Phoenix, the Glamazon, sure. absolutely. Absolutely, the ones that could come back. But here's one that was speculated online Okay, uh, that I think just throws the whole thing into a, a, a tailspin. Uh-oh. They're speculating that someone who could come out of the Royal Rumble and possibly potentially win it. What? Ronda Rousey. Huh. So... That right there, my head a, explode. That, yeah, that's a. <laughs> but and here's the thing: is they're saying it may be Ronda Rousey coming out, winning it. Oscar takes the championship I, again. I don't know who they're facing if they come out of this. If, if they're facing the Raw champ or the SmackDown champ, uh, Charlotte this week on SmackDown said that they would be facing her if she keeps the title. Which I don't know if that's their way of saying the SmackDown champ is the the title that we're going for here. Um, and maybe they're kind of presetting whoever's going to win it will go to SmackDown. I, I don't know. It's we're still early times yet. We're we just learned about it. Um, if but, the winner was a raw superstar with the belt, no, because they've got women's on each side. So yeah. I, that's an interesting one. I, I'm sitting here in my head spinning. I don't, yeah, I I don't, don't know, know what to think of that. I don't know where they're going to go. With so it. far, uh, well, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but Naomi's the only one of all the women on both rosters to declare herself declare. Uh, for that first match. Like so, we said, though, I think we can pretty much assume all the women on both rosters will probably be in it at yeah, some point. If they're not defending a title, you know, it's going to be Charlotte's going to have her singles match, sure. whoever her competitor ends up being. Uh, and Alexa Bliss, unless that changed hands. I want to uh, say that champions have been involved in the Rumble before. I, I want to say they have. Yeah, uh, but, but not it's, probably in the same night, though. Probably not. But, well, again, it's... <laughs> It's going to be a six-hour great thing about it's the rumble. Be ridiculous. Great thing about the rumble, you never freaking know. Yeah, uh, and there is speculation that Oscar could take one of the titles by WrestleMania, and it could be Ronda Rousey versus Oscar, and Rousey would be the one to hand Oscar her first loss, which I see an upside and a downside to. Mm. I think there's there's two ways to argue that. I don't know if I could get on board with that one. Right, and I I can definitely see an argument why that would be a bad thing yes. to have all this build for Oscar and then have essentially a non-wrestler part-timer who's got a big name come in on it. But again, that's kind of how WWE works sometimes to get the, the, the casual audience or even the non-wrestling from the USC, right? The most, the most, the highest accolades of any woman. in so there, they can put that out there and say, yes, Ronda Rousey's facing off against the most dangerous woman in WWE, which we can quantify by saying she's unfreaking beaten. And you put that out to the general public that's going to generate some interest. Yeah. So I could absolutely see them doing that. Although I prefer them to go with their original idea of the four horsewomen of MMA versus the four horsewomen of WWE at WrestleMania. So hang yeah. on. Something just clicked in my head. Those rumble matches are usually 30 ish minutes, if not 40 minutes. Sometimes or we're going to have two of them now. Yep. Yes, sir. It's going to be a lot of show, a lot of show on the rumble. And I, it makes me think we're not going to have a whole lot of singles matches on that show. I don't know. I mean, uh, those titles need to be defended. It's the first of the big four. You've got to set things on the road, around the roadblock, down the fast lane to WrestleMania. Stop it. <laughs> it was a bad joke when I made it the first time, sir. I don't need you to repeat it. Oh, I'm going to run that into the ground, so to speak. Uh, but here's the thing is we know we only know of one other match at the Royal Rumble, which we'll get into later. But so right now we've only got the two Rumble matches, one other match, which already is a pretty freaking big card. So, uh, yeah, that's... Very exciting news and lots more to come. We've got a month or so until the Rumble. Lots to come, and I'm sure they will they will fill out the information for us, and so we'll have more to to talk about and speculate on as that get, that gets closer. But hey, man, I love me a Rumble match unless Reigns or Orton wins it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so once again, they got me hooked. The last couple of years, I've been 
tentatively excited about the Rumble, but damn it, now I'm excited for the Rumble again. If, if Reigns wins another Royal Rumble match, I'm I'm, I'm going to riot. That's going to be it. Yep. Not, we'll, the, not with the two T's, and but just we the will, one T. We will have to talk about it here in our show next. Well, in other news, uh, the other big news this week, uh, we have a major, major injury that is going to directly affect storyline Potentially long term. I mean, potentially derail a storyline. Yeah, uh, which is Dean Ambrose injuring. Was it his bicep that he tore? His tricep. He tore tricep. his he tore his tricep tendon off the bone. Oof. Yeah, it's it was apparently a pretty gnarly injury. So he's he's had surgery now. We haven't heard a time frame for him to come back, uh, which is either a good thing or a bad thing. Usually in these sort of situations, if it's a long time, they'll let us know it's a long time. So the fact that they haven't said it's a long time is a good sign. Hmm. Uh, but the, the, the thing to take away from this is that he was in the midst of this whole shield angle and they were having an angle with the bar and Samoa Joe with him gone. That throws that whole angle into disarray because now what does the bar do? Joe and, and, and reigns are having a collision course. We can see that going off on its own, but Seth's alone. Now what happens? The other thing to speculate on is when Dean comes back, What's going to happen when he comes back? There had been people speculating that Dean was going to turn heel on Seth and they were going to have a, a match at WrestleMania, Dean versus Seth, which may be why when Dean... So Dean was injured before this show, before this Raw. He was injured. And he had a match where it was uh, him and Seth versus the bar again. Yep. Uh, they had Jason Jordan on their side, which we'll, we'll get into later because old Jordan got himself involved again. Uh, and it was against the bar and Samoa Joe. And at the at one point in that match, Seth goes over the top, or is a tope. I forget if it was a suicida or a conhilo, but I think it was a suicida. Goes uh goes on to all three of the guys outside, uh, both of the bar and Dean. And it was during that move that Dean quote injured his elbow, even though it was taped to shit before that. Right. Um. And then it was exacerbated backstage later in kayfabe by the bar and Joe who slammed it in a locker or something, and that's how he's written off TV. Gotcha. But. The fact of the matter is they gave themselves an opening for Dean to come back heel and say, hey, Seth, you're the one who initially injured my arm when you went through the ropes recklessly like that. Ah. So and so they could play it as him coming back and still being face. Oh, the bar actually injured me backstage. Or you could come back and say, Seth, it's your fault. So they set themselves up very well for this. Well, that's the big news for the week, folks. To find out what else went down, we're going to head over and talk about Monday Night Raw. Well, at the top of the news over on Raw, we had to talk about the opening segment, which was Kurt Angle coming out to the ring and announcing that he had made the match for Brock Lesnar's opponent at Royal Rumble. As we said, this is the other major, uh, the, 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 other, the other match that will happen at Royal Rumble. We Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman and Kane in a triple threat match, as we speculated last week, as everyone pretty much suspected was going to happen based on how they've been building all of this. And I'm so unexcited. Yep. I, I don't care. I don't know why they're pushing Kane into the main event at this point. It's, it's a, I don't know how they're going to pull this off and not have it be the obvious way out, which is Kane eating an F5 and a pin from Brock Lesnar. I don't see how they're going to get around the fact that everyone knows 
that is the obvious way out of this. So are you convinced at this point, at the end of 2017, with four months to go to WrestleMania, that Brock Lesnar is going to hold the universal title until WrestleMania? I am convinced of this. Oh, okay. I know you think that's going to go to Braun and then something. I mean, that is a possibility that they could be having Kane in there to eat the pin and have Braun go over and take the title off of Brock. But after how much they've built Brock over the last year as being the reigning champion... I don't see how they're going to take it off of him at this point. They, they kind of need to have him keep it to WrestleMania and have it be a big deal because the whole idea is to get Roman over, right? That's the end game of everything. So I will be beyond shocked if Brock walks away, not the champion at the Royal Rumble. Mm. Well, one of the funniest parts of this whole opening segment, it was one of my favorite openings of Raw in a long time. Imagine that with Braun coming out. But Kurt came out to make the announcement as he was about to announce who the opponent was going to be. Braun comes out and interrupts. Then Kane comes out and interrupts. And then, ladies and gentlemen, Paul Heyman comes out and interrupts and you get Brock Lesnar. So now you got all three of these guys standing in the ring, brooding and, you know, chests out and everything. And Kurt does this thing where he goes, all right, it's going to be a triple there match against Kane and Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar, and he bails out of the ring. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite parts of Raw was He doesn't that. need to get his neck broken again. No. And Come on, man. And scaredy cat running away, and it was almost like I remember that shade of Kurt Angle from way back when a little bit. Yeah, the, the kind of the cowardly heel yeah. Kurt Angle. <laughs> no, it was a great moment, and it did. I mean, you know, Kurt, I don't know if it's just spinal compression or what it is, but he's definitely looked, he's looking smaller these days. A little hunched over. Something I don't yeah like like I said I don't know if if it's just age or spinal compression or what it is but you know he used to look like he could stand up next to Brock Lesnar and Brock was definitely bigger but you felt like Kurt could stand next to him yeah. and now I mean Brock Brock has lost some of his size and shape as well but he's still freaking huge yeah. and standing there with these three guys it it was a great visual image to see Kurt bailing out now here's the thing I want to talk about again about Kane being involved in this is this proof that WWE is out of touch because I don't I don't hear anybody excited about this match. I don't hear anybody excited about Kane being in this match. And and here's what I want to say about it is uh, I don't know if Braun can lose a second time in in five months to Brock Lesnar again and still be protected unless, like you say, Kane eats the pen right and, and somehow protects Braun. Right? That's what I'm saying is they they can't have Braun lose again in the same way and still have him look good. You know, Kane's only here to be the fall guy, and I can't see any other way out of that. Uh, and I suppose it is in some ways a blessing that we're getting Kane, because initially it was supposed to be Finn Balor either having a solo match against Brock or being the little guy in the middle of these two monsters, and Vince just didn't have confidence in him being over, which is crazy, but whatever, it's Vince's company. Uh, and, and, and in some ways, I look at that, though, as kind of a, a blessing for Finn Balor, uh, because he doesn't need to be in there looking like a, a rag doll at this point. Yeah, he should be busy somewhere else looking like a stud, which he has been for the last couple of weeks. He had a, a match against Curtis Axel last week, and the week before that, he had a match against Bo Dallas. Both both members of the Miztourage. Yep. And uh, as I speculated last week, sure enough, WWE logic applied again. And this week we had a handicap match: the Miztourage united against Finn Balor, and he looked pretty good for the first part of this match against yeah. them. He held his own. At a certain point, the numbers game got the better of him and their cheap little heel tactic got the better and he started to get beat down. So here's another awesome thing that happened on Monday Night Raw this week. Out of nowhere, while Finn's getting beaten down, who should show up and debut on the main roster but Hideo Itami? 
What is he doing Penta here? himself. Well, we knew he was coming to 205 Live. Yeah. And he wasn't supposed to start until the 205 Live this week. So he came out early. They had him come out early, save Finn, and then get put in the match and have it made a traditional tag team match with Finn and Hideo against the Miz Taraj. You don't want to hear what I think about this. Okay. Well, I may not, but I'm going to hear it, I'm sure. <laughs> Hit me. Uh, Hideo Itami going to the cruiserweight division. I think somebody else could be going with him too. Oh, for God's sake! I know. Not, not That's this why again. I said it. I know. Not this. Again. I, I know. You you somehow live in a fantasy world where you think he's incredibly over outside of his entrance, and I just don't see it. I don't think he. I don't think he's that over with the people. Okay, Vince. Well, you, you know? keep you can keep your opinion on that. It's, I think we are in an era of big men right now. I he don't, just does not fit. I don't think he has been given the opportunity to fit since he's come back from injury. I think that he's had a couple of bright moments, but. He's been circling the mid card. He's been having a terrible feud with Bray Wyatt. Like he has not been given the chance. But remember the match with him and AJ and tell me he wasn't over in that match. Which I think is another thing you could talk about with him going to SmackDown instead of Raw because Raw right now is is covered in big men. Well, that's my speculation that Finn should go to SmackDown, yeah. not 205 Live. But we we're just <laughs> but we are we are regurgitating stuff we said before yes. on this show. The bottom line is Hideo came out and he was not over at first, but then once he started throwing his strikes and looking like the Kenta of old, uh, the audience did warm up to him significantly. Yes. Uh, I just hope that his main roster tenure is more successful than his NXT tenure, which was you know slowed down by injury, multiple injuries. Yeah. He just really couldn't get off the ground. I liked his heel work at the end, but uh, it, it really was kind of a kind of a letdown overall. So hopefully he can get over more on the main card. I think he's got a better idea of what he's got to portray to the audience. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he went heel again at some point, although 205 Live could use a couple more strong faces. So it will be interesting to see what happens with Hideo. This was a really good debut for him. Uh, and a quick note, he was on 205 Live this week. We did watch that. And he, unlike an NXT where he teased the go to sleep time after time after time and never pulled it off. And then before he could finally have the big moment where he really used it, he got injured. Yeah. He's coming right out of the gate with it now. He delivered it to Curtis uh, Axel, who sold it like death. Yep. And he, sold, he gave it to the guy on 205 Live, who sold it like a murder, yeah. <laughs> uh, just the way you're supposed to sell it. Yes. So, yeah. So, hopefully, he stays over, and uh, hopefully, Finn continues this trend as well of looking strong, no matter where he is, and not getting murdered by Brock Lesnar. Or, in your eyes, going to 205 Live. I that would like that to not happen as well. <laughs> Well, speaking of Bray Wyatt and that feud he had uh, with with Finn Balor, uh, he is now in a mystical, fantastical, cosmic feud with Woken Matt Hardy. Uh, we got another promo this week. We got two more promos two, this week. One right. from each of them. I thought it was a better idea to not have them intercut, especially because these two promos would not have worked well intercut. I enjoyed the all. chess match one with Woken Matt Hardy. The Woken Matt Hardy. Yeah. He's playing the chess against the goldfish who he named Napoleon. Yeah, that just brilliant I, I can't make and then the delete thing knocking his king off the the chess pieces just yeah he had bray wyatt and and sister abigail portrayed as king and queen and then he had a whole army on his side and yeah it was it was fun it was interesting i don't know if you noticed but the chessboard changed while he was away from it i did mystically yes uh but yeah no it was it was fun unfortunately to me it's it's already it's feeling wwe ties if that makes sense yeah. it's already starting to feel not like the broken Matt Hardy before, which seemed to have a little bit more edge and darkness in amongst all its campiness. It's starting to see a little, seem a little more cartoony already. Well, they're having to bake in the Sister Abigail stuff from Bray, and that's why I feel like it's having to go to the places that it's going, and it's being written the way that it is, 
is because, as you said, it's probably not Matt. It's being influenced by how it would interact better with Bray and the Sister Abigail stuff. The writing still sounds a lot like Matt's voice, yeah. but it definitely, I agree again. I think that once again, Bray Wyatt is dragging down a feud he's in. Uh, his promo was very good this week. To his credit, though, it was it was much more concise and direct and accessible than a, a normal Bray Wyatt promo. When does this happen? Creepy. Do we do we get this at Royal Rumble? Do these guys finally get in the ring with each other then? I don't know. I don't think this is a feud that you really should have them get physical with until then, but I don't know if another month of promos, of weekly promos, is going to be satisfying either, especially if they keep getting goofier and goofier and goofier. I mean, they finally come to physicality. I don't think that's going to be a really, like you know, technically excellent wrestling match. Is the thing I don't I don't expect it to be that exciting in the ring, uh, unless there's some a whole other a bunch of other elements put in that we don't know about that hopefully don't involve projections on the ring mat. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Bray Wyatt, or broken hip Matt Hardy, or broken say. hip Matt Hardy stumbling around <laughs> the ring, or a House of Horrors match with a fridge getting tossed on Matt Hardy. You know, there's a whole bunch of places. This, this I mean, this is a tightrope. There's so many ways this could go to shit, and Matt broken Matt Hardy, woken Matt Hardy's first feud could just bury him right off the bat. It's a very dangerous place right now, and and it's not unsimilar from the angle with Finn earlier this year where they tried to take Finn really mystical and it just was garbage. Yeah. It was painful to watch. This is starting to get almost there. Well, we were talking about the cruiserweights before. Let's head over to the cruiserweight division and talk about what went down. Last week, We you heard us on the show talk about what happened with Rich Swan. Have there been, before we talk about the match, has there been any developments around that that we've, uh, we can update anybody on? Not that I've heard of. No, Rich Swan is still on suspension for domestic violence. Uh, we haven't heard whether or not he's being charged. If there's a court date, obviously, okay. he will remain on suspension until there's a conviction or he's, he's declared innocent, right. uh, at which point we'll, ha- we'll know more. Well, things got set back in motion this week with regards to the number one contendership uh, to Enzo Amore's Cruiserweight Championship uh, with a booking of a match between Cedric Alexander and Drew Gulak. And I got to say, they did the right thing. Yep. Finally, we've we've been pushing Cedric Alexander on this show for the better part of a year since we've been doing it, frankly, since he came out in the Cruiserweight Classic and stuff uh, a couple almost two years ago now. And finally, we're going to get Cedric Alexander in a championship match for the Cruiserweight Championship. And yes, yes, I, I, I keep doing this. You're going the right way finally with the Cruiserweights. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that Cedric's over yet by a long shot. I don't think the crowd gets him yet, yeah. but he's he goes out there and just his in-ring work gets him a long way. And yeah. this was a great match. Gulak is also very capable. Uh, this was also fun because Enzo Mori was on commentary and was a I thought a fun addition to the commentary, uh, making a bunch of one-liners about both Gulak and Cedric. It was an excellent technical match, as you would expect. Uh, Gulak ends up taking the lumbar check and losing, and Enzo is too busy thinking about Nia Jax, who's apparently slid into his DMs. (laughs) (laughs) And then backstage, uh, you know, they had a little segment where he and Nia were flirting, and Gulak came in and interrupted and, and got yelled at. Um, I'm curious where this is all going. I, I, I'm curious what Naya has to do with this whole angle. If she's going to turn into the China character that I, I have been speculating and kind of hope she turns into, uh, or, you know, if, if Gulak is going to try to redeem himself somehow or what's going to happen. So it, I, this is a, a cruiserweight angle that I'm actually interested in. Yeah, absolutely. And quick sidebar, speaking of Drew Gulak, uh, if you and Braun Strowman, if you guys have not seen the uh, Braun post, or WWE posted it on their Twitter, it's a three-minute kind of trailer or mashup called Elf Among Men. Oh, 
And Braun Strowman dressed up in an elf costume, replaying some of the scenes from the movie Elf with Will Ferrell. One of them is when he runs in in the elf costume to the boardroom where his dad, allegedly, is sitting there. This time, though, it's Drew Gulak, and he's making fun of Drew Gulak, and Drew Gulak's making fun of him. Hilarious stuff. If you want to see a 7-foot, 400-pounder running around in an elf costume, it's hilarious. It's uh, one of my yes. favorite things that came out this week. Uh, kayfabe what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, one of the other thing, favorite things that came out this week was a tag team that we haven't seen in some time known as The Revival. They are back. They Dawson have been revived. Back. They have been revived. They were back, and they had a match with, of all people, a team that last week I was thinking to myself, what happened to them? Slater and Rhino. Yes. He Slater and Rhino came out. And got annihilated. Of course. Yeah. Of course they so, did, because that's what they do, right? Uh, ever since they came to Raw, yeah. yeah, they were riding high on SmackDown. They had the and then, champs on SmackDown. Yeah, and then, oh, what career? Nope, slap down. You're on yeah. Raw. Sorry, guys. But the Revival are back and looking strong, and hopefully they're the ones to pick up the mantle from the Shield and have a feud, that f- hopefully for the championships, I hope. Uh, I'd like to see them go places. Another interesting aspect of this, of course, was Slater and Rhino afterwards being told by Kurt Angle, if, if you want to stay in this division, you got to toughen up. I'm seeing some Rocky montages coming with uh, Rhino munching on cheese and crackers and Slater doing push-ups oh, no. and running after chickens and stuff. Oh, and he's got kids. He does have kids. <laughs> he does have kids. Just saying. Well, some other notable things that came out of Monday Night Raw. Uh, look, Dean's arm angle thing took place and maybe stole the spotlight away from what was a fantastic match, again, between Ambrose and Rollins and the bar. Yeah, it was, but it was how we got there to this match that was also a major aspect of Raw. You know, started off with I'm trying to get I'm trying to get the whole timeline straight because it was a whole sequence of events. Uh, you had Jason Jordan coming out and trying to get another match with Samoa Joe. Right. Seth saying, "No, no, no, I'm first in line." And Jason Jordan once again being the entitled little whiny bitch and basically shoving Seth and making him have a match between them, and whoever won would face Samoa Joe. Well, ultimately, Seth, of course, picked the, again, an excellent match. Jason Jordan, once again, showing he's fantastic in the ring. And Seth, obviously, one of the top guys in the game. Uh, but at the end of this match, Seth picks up the win. Of course, Samoa Joe, who's sitting outside, immediately jumps in and picks the bones, beats the crap out of both guys and, and leaves. Well, later in the night, because of this, we get a, a big six-man tag match between Jason Jordan, Seth, and Dean Ambrose, and then, of course, the bar and Samoa Joe, as we said before. So this is how we all got there. I just got to say, man, Jason Jordan is still doing so well at his smarmy, entitled heel role. He's he's picked up. They picked up right right when the booze were starting to pick up for him as a baby face, and they turned him right at the right time. And he is showing some some charisma and some ability with playing this character that I hadn't seen before in this guy back in NXT. They originally They originally put Chad Gable with him because he had no personality. And now he's just nailing this character. So is the dad angle working for you with all of this in mind? Uh, I still a little think bit the, more than it is. I think the was? dad angle is dumb, but you know, I, I, I'm never going to forgive them for foisting this angle on him. Yeah. But he's kind of turning shit into gold here. I'm just and and the writing the writing guys are too. I mean, they're doing a good job with this long character arc for him and making him into this this very entertaining true heel character that you know even if you like like i I like him and appreciate him man he drives me nuts yeah and it's great that's good heel work one final question i'll I'll leave you with on on this thing is uh to what end 
Where does this go for Jason Jordan? Where does he end up? I don't I don't know, but I mean, they keep having him interfering in the not the top of the card, but near the top of the card, like the top mid card. Yeah. Uh, where Seth and Dean and all the other guys are. They have him bouncing around that whole thing. So they obviously have some plans for him. And and wherever he ends up, I'm happy with it. I could see him actually going into a feud with Seth now that Dean's out. And after their match this week, I wouldn't be mad at that. I could go the other way and see him putting a tactical vest on and joining Seth and becoming oh, the fourth member of the Shield stop it. and the continuing the tag team. I don't know. Does well, this is why we don't Rain, let you. Does Reigns drop the Intercontinental title to Samoa Joe and then come tag tag with Seth and to keep the Shield alive? Nick, this Jason, is why we don't let you speculate on things. Then Jason okay? Jordan goes after Samoa Joe. I don't know. This there's all kinds of stuff that could go here. There's some things that will go, and there's some things that won't go. Uh, one thing that didn't go is Alicia Fox in another attempt at uh, beating Asuka. Uh, at this point, I'm like, okay, yeah, we've seen her dis- destroy Alicia Fox. I'm good. Just, just put Asuka in the Rumble match, and let's let's just... Uh, the next four weeks are going to be interesting to see. I, I need Asuka to beat the shit out of the uh, the Riot Squad. That's really what it comes down to. <laughs> well, that, well, that's not going to happen until the Rumble. I, my question is, are we going to keep watching her beat Alicia Fox week after week after week? I'm sick of it. I'm over yep. it. Have her beat somebody else. Like Have her mow through the division. You've got enough people that, she, that you can sacrifice to her at this point. We all know Asuka's a monster. It's not going to do anyone that much damage because it's Asuka. It's like someone losing to Braun Strowman. Yeah. You know, for example, uh, Elias had a segment this week, and he referenced how he just recently survived Braun Strowman. Him losing to Braun Strowman doesn't it doesn't matter. No one beats Braun Strowman pretty much. You know, one-on-one, unless you're Roman Reigns, and to do that, you got to drive him into a truck. So it's... Or put a, throw him into a garbage truck, or what, you know, whatever it is you have to do to beat him. So it's not a shame to lose to Asuka. It's not a shame to lose to Braun Strowman. And speaking of Elias, this segment was another brilliant Elias segment. Yeah, it was. Uh, just, you know, getting over... The, the, he was in Rhode Island... And his the way he turned, like he started off saying, "Oh yeah, Tom Brady. I know Tom Brady. He, you know, he gets all of his. He listens to my music. It helps motivate him to deflate footballs and change the rule books and all that. Oh, just working that crowd so well. And this was the beginning of the whole women's segment where uh, Sasha Banks and Mickey James both came out and were hanging with him. And he every time having, he would start playing, their music would kick on. And he was having he was having some fun with the women coming out. It was yeah. it was a very fun segment uh, and a nice. I thought. I won't say elegant, but it was definitely a entertaining way to get into the women's match yep. with uh, Sasha and Mickey and Bailey versus Absolution. Bailey tried to give him a hug, and he kind of just walked around her. I thought that was funny. Yeah, and she I, I, she got picked up on the mic saying, "It's okay, I'm used to it." <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Well, folks, we're a month away from the Royal Rumble. There is a ton of stuff to build. We I, the next four weeks are going to be a lot of fun. But we're not done yet. We've got to head over and talk about what went down after Clash of Champions on SmackDown Live. Well, obviously, the most anticipated thing this week on SmackDown Live was what was going to happen in the major centerpiece feud of the show, which is, of course, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon and Randy Orton and Nakamura. And now with more AJ Styles and, and Jinder Mahal involved as well. Uh, one comment I want to make is the show kicked off with Daniel Bryan's music. That is the liveliest I've seen a WWE crowd in as long as I can remember. Well, everyone was... They exploded. They were salivating yes chance for what was that we haven't happen. seen since 2013. Oh, sure. Oh, I, man. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's always hot coming out, and he definitely came out... I, I heard people saying, oh, did Daniel Bryan turn heel at Clash of Champions? Like, did you watch the same match I did? No. He was, he was absolutely the guy who was trying to do the right thing in that match. It was, I thought it was played very clear. 
So, and apparently this audience agreed because they, they were all very much on Daniel Bryan's side. He came out and announced the main event of SmackDown this week, which was a tag match between Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Jinder Mahal versus Randy Orton, Nakamura, and AJ Styles. So we're stuffing the two big feuds together now in this match. Well, Daniel was, let's well, like he was finished when, of course, whose music should hit, but Shane O'Mac, Shane McMahon, who came out and we got them in the ring together to figure out what exactly happened between the two of them at Clash of Champions. Well, they, they, re, they basically repeated each other's lines for five minutes uh, and just it kind of regurgitated everything that had happened. Well, they replayed the match, basically. Sure, uh, but then in Shane came out and said exactly the same thing that Daniel had just gotten done saying, so whatever. Um, yeah, they, they kept saying the same stuff. Uh, they said each other's lines over and over. I don't know. I th- I thought it was actually very clearly, like very the well done. The tension was you could cut it with a knife. Oh yeah! Like I was just sitting there on the edge of my seat waiting. Somebody shoves. Somebody so, sucker punch. Somebody so well something. played. So well played from both yeah. of them. Agreed. And and it was the thing that I liked about it was not only did it feel as natural as it could feel in that kind of environment. Obviously, you yeah. know, two guys talking on microphones in front of a giant crowd and trying to have a serious conversation. But it was it was one of the more well-written bits that yeah. we've seen in WWE in a long time. They reference history, which is rare in wrestling, and when they do, I always think it's a plus. Because they did, they did call back to his uh, Daniel Bryan made reference to him already going through this with a McMahon at, with the authority. Well, because Shane McMahon said, you know, I was I when I didn't drop my hand on the third hit, I did what I thought was he didn't say it in these words. He said I, I did what I thought was a smart business decision. And Daniel said, so basically what you're saying is you did what's best, best for, for business, business, which, of course, is, you know, as right. Daniel Bryan said, it was those words were basically what he was fighting against in his whole rise to WrestleMania 30. So, again, they did a lot of great callbacks, some of which they were obvious, some of which were less obvious. But the whole thing felt like it took place within a history, which is something that's it's missing so often from WWE, Vince has gone on record as saying he doesn't think his fans have have they, he thinks he thinks they have short term memories, and to some extent, I can see why he would think that. But the problem is, it does take away from your product. People like to go back, whether it's sports, whether it's entertainment, they like to go back and say, "Well, remember that time in 1995 when the Steelers did this? Remember that time, you know, in season one of Game of Thrones when this person said this?" They love that. They love to put things in their temporal place, and this whole bit was a really good way of establishing where Daniel Bryan was, where Shane McMahon was, where their heads were. They were neither of them faces nor heels. They were both had their individual perspectives that had lots of nuance, shades of gray. The way that Shane reacted when Daniel said, be careful, I'm trying to keep you from becoming your father. And Shane's just, his internal monologue there, Daniel's, everything was just so good between them that this was, in my opinion, one of the best segments I can remember seeing with my short-term wrestling memory. (laughs) One of the best segments that I can remember seeing of just two people talking and no fighting, no pushing, but tons of interesting action like emotional action and tension as you said i know he'll likely never return but i gotta tell you there was a part of me a very small part of me that was waiting 
for Randy Orton to walk out with Triple H holding a sledgehammer oh, and Lord. Batista, and we get the whole evolution shit all over again. Because I wouldn't what? put because I wouldn't put it past him. That's why you've already got Randy Orton on the show. Triple H is doing all of his crazy stuff, trying to do another comeback. Why not? If this is true, what you're saying, play it all over again, and you get the authority, and maybe Shane gets in an angle with. That stuff. Of all the things that I thought were going to happen, that was way down the list. Come on. Way out sense. on a limp. No, it makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> oh, my God. So speaking of things that made no sense, we had this tag match at the end of the show, six-man tag match. I, I, there really wasn't any purpose to this beyond Randy and Nakamura getting their win back and yeah. being able to you know, cheer and, and lord it over Kevin Owens. Like, you know, yeah, they got screwed last night. Here they get their win back. They get to stand tall. Way to go. Congratulations. Ginger still can't take an RKO properly. No, he still hits his knees every yeah. time. Uh, but he's just tall. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to chalk that up to. I, I Again, you and I have never taken an RKO. Yeah. It's a, probably a difficult move to take and not hurt yourself. Although Rusev seems to be able to do it real well. But uh, and Aiden English and Aiden English. <laughs> he just speaking of flapjacks, he just flapjacks out and he sells it better than anybody as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Rusev takes it for me. But at any rate, Jinder does not take it that well. No. Uh, regardless, this was a fun match. I just didn't think it had a purpose beyond getting the win back, making 50 50 booking happen. It felt more like a crowd service all stars match off the back of the paper. Exactly. than Extending any kind of storyline outside of Daniel Bryan and Shayna Mack. Well said. I don't know if any of these guys are going to continue in feuds. There's no utility behind any of it. So I, you're not going to get AJ and gender anymore. I don't think. I, well, I mean, why else have them in this match together? I don't know. Because you know they're, I mean? the, they're your other top card guys that are floating around with KO and Zane. And what, well, what else is AJ going going to do who else is he going to feud with who is gender going to feud with this is what we were speculating about before when where does gender go now where does aj go now and for that matter where do kevin owens and Sami Zayn go now are they going to continue to feud with randy and nakamura they got beaten pretty cleanly this week so i don't know and i, I personally don't really have an interest in seeing that tag fight continue anymore put my hand up you do i, I do really mm -hmm. aj and nakamura well Okay, so that is obviously that's something that everybody wants to see. But this week they were very much on the same page, even down to them having some fun at the end of this match with AJ doing the Yale pose. You know, yeah, goes back and then on the on, from the rope and hangs down. I'm wondering if maybe Nakamura looking over at him laughing, and he looks back at him and laughing. I think they might have little... assumed they were dark at that point when they were because that ran for a while. I think they finished the show a little oh, earlier, yeah, than well, they uh, expected. They know each other real well. They yeah. got a lot of history, so it wouldn't surprise me if they were having a little fun in it. And Randy definitely did seem like the odd man out there where they, the two of them were just having their fun and Randy was kind of like, "Yeah, these guys, they're they're awesome, yeah. aren't they?" <laughs> I, I don't know. I could see Randy and, and Gender getting back into it. Uh, he He's about the only one, to your point. As much as it sucked earlier this year, it was kind of a, a rite of passage of sorts for Gender to go through Randy Orton. And, you know, if you could make that argument for it, and now that he has evolved to whatever he is now, I think they could go have a feud without a title involved. Uh, I would absolutely not like to see Randy and Gender ever again. Frankly, I don't think that Randy brings the best out of gender. I think there's lots of people that could bring a good match out of gender at this point, but Randy's not one of them. Uh, that being said, one place that gender could end up, in fact, anybody could end up, because we have no idea what the hell is going on at this point, is over on the U.S. title picture, because Dolph Ziggler came out for his Ziggler celebration and reminded everybody how great he is, showed video footage of all the times he's won the Intercontinental title and the Respect. world title and the U.S. title. And yeah, no, he, you know, 
Good point, Dolph. We've seen it all before. Okay, we get it. I was kind of over this bit until the very end when he screams at the audience, says, you guys don't deserve me and lays down the belt and walks away. Hmm. What uh, is what is what? I is this a retirement? Is this a I'm going away? Is this the same as the entrances in in a, in, in a metaphorical way to say I don't need a belt to prove that I'm thing? Just the same way I don't need an entrance to prove that I'm the best performer in the WWE. I don't need a belt to. I did what I said I was going to do. Here you go. I don't need this shit anymore. Yeah. Kind of thing. Could Dolph Ziggler be leaving WWE and this is how they write him off TV? Mm. I don't see that happening. I'm leaving it out there as a feather to just say, oh, that could be a possibility. Yeah. I could see him performing in Ring of Honor. I could see him performing in New Japan. You know, I, I could see all of these things happening for Dolph. He's a big superstar. Well, and it's I I hope that this is an angle kind of like Naito earlier this year over in New yeah. Japan, where he had the Intercontinental title but took every opportunity to disrespect it because he felt like it was beneath him and that uh, you know he wasn't happy with having the belt. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Dolph just continuously abuse or degrade the belt and have someone else come along to, to restore the honor of the belt. Uh, obviously, it's been played out in New Japan, so I don't know if they're going to rehash that per se. Yeah, uh, It definitely did feel like a worked shoot situation to get people speculating on if Dolph, Dolph's actually leaving because we know he's been unhappy recently and with good reason they keep starting stopping his push uh I, I wouldn't be mad either with him having laid down the belt and having everyone have a a round robin tournament or some sort of u.s title sequence to try and get this open this vacant title right and that's where gender could plug right into that that's a good a point these, a lot of these guys could plug right into that an indian guy from canada fighting for the u.s title that's why cute. not i don't know i'm just making i'm being stupid um I wonder if this was a sort of curtain call. That's really what this felt like to me. With showing all of the the video, look at how all this amazing stuff I've done and look at the last three to four months. I mean, you can sure. go all the way back to Mania coming out of that with uh, him doing this angle, the heel turn. Uh, when did that started right after Mania at some point? Oh, uh, it was a while after Mania, I believe. And, and his whole my thing short was term memory, my short term memory, you yeah, know. Yeah. Sorry, Vince, Vince. Call us, remind us. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember any of that stuff that you did because it was fucking horrible. <laughs> anyway, I'm wondering if this was a a curtain call of sorts. Here's everything I've accomplished, and I told you so. There's your belt. Peace out. I think it was meant to feel that way. Again, yeah. I think this was a work shoot. I, th I think it felt too choreographed to actually be his send off. Kind of much like with the Natty thing earlier in the week. Yeah. He may disappear for a while or he may come back next week and be like, yeah, screw you guys. I don't Maybe they're already champion. shooting Marine 7. You know? <laughs> Maybe. They haven't even wrapped the shoot on 6. So uh, they have as of now. I know uh, Becky Lynch is wrapped as of this week. I thought she was wrapped before, but uh, I was wrong. Uh, but Miz is wrapped. So he should be back in Good the next couple weeks. Yeah. But uh, anyway, Marine Six, we're getting off on that. But uh, the point is, is that he has now opened up the U.S. title picture in a lot of ways. A lot of things could happen here. And this is another angle on SmackDown that has now gotten me intrigued. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very happy with where they went with Ziggler winning the title, which we both were totally shocked by. Uh, and in fact, it en it's ended up being... Uh, a pretty good angle because they have a, they have a lot of places they could go with it. It's now. arguably now turned, even though we it came out of nowhere. It's arguably turned into one of the more interesting aspects of SmackDown Live at this point. Again, if it does turn into some kind of tournament 
free-for-all situation for right. the title. Right. Or even if it's just Dolph disrespecting the title could be an interesting one, too. And There's a lot know, of places they could go. Yeah, it calls back to the open challenges. It calls, Everything that surrounds the the mystique of the U.S. title, uh, I think it, it really plays into what they could do there. So I'm very anxious to see uh, what they do over the next four weeks with the U.S. title going into Brumble. Yeah, because that is their big secondary title. You yeah. know, the, the, the Intercontinentals on Raw, you've got to make both of your titles look big when you've only got two big ones, really. So I think it's a good way to perhaps add more prestige to the title because all of a sudden, maybe now you could have everyone coveting it. Uh, much in the way that you have the tag belts coveted by so many of the people in the tag division, which is a wonderful division right now in SmackDown. And this week we saw a tag match between the Usos. And as you speculated, American Alpha 2.0, Chad Gable, Shelton, Benjamin uh, had a match. Non-title, however, uh, apparently some of their actions at the the Clash of Champions got them a shot at getting a title shot against the tight whatever. The bottom line is they had a match and Gable and Benjamin won pretty clean. Legit. Like they were throwing those boys around and Gable again showing out yeah. uh, with all of the, the suplexes and all throwing them. them around. Just, oh my God, dude. And like you said, it's non-title match, but that's fine. This well, is now going we're gonna to get be... A, now we're going to get a title match though. Oh man. This is going to be a long-running feud, and this is exactly what I wanted this to be. I think these guys are going to go all the way to Mania, these two teams. They're going to carry this. This whole feud is going to start at least to Mania, if not beyond. If they, I don't know if it'll go that long, but I could see it going for a while, given the amount of time they gave to the Usos and New Day because of the quality of that feud. Right. Uh, I think they learned something. I think you're exactly right. Yeah. A good pair of teams can really do some stuff. And I think they learned a lot of lessons with the New Day and the Usos in 2017. And as, as someone who was so very down on the Usos as recently as a couple of years ago, I am having to absolutely eat my words. These guys are bringing everyone up to a very high level. Yep. And they're, they're also lucky because they have so much talent in this division right now. You can bounce pretty much any of these teams off any of the other ones of the teams, and you're going to get a good match. As we saw on Sunday, you can just put them all in a ring together, and they'll have a good match. There's so much good stuff going on in the tag division on SmackDown yeah. Live. There's the legit kind of competitive side of it, and there's this whole new realm of comedy wrestling that has shown up in the last couple of months. Well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just like, I mean, Brizongo, of course, was has been running all exactly, year. yes. But now all of a sudden you've got Rusev, Rusev Day in there. You've got the New Day being goofier than ever. This week out in costumes with giant pans of, of flapjacks. I keep almost being done with the New Day's goofiness. Yeah. And then they just, they're so charismatic and they are legitimately having so much fun with it that how much fun they're having draws me back into it. And I keep like waiting to just get sick of it. And I've gotten close a couple of times with some of their antics. But once again, this week, uh, as you said, the other side of the tag division, you had Rusev Day and the New Day having their bit of a feud this week, as you said, completely full-on comedy wrestling with the New Day coming out dressed like, let's see, we had Kofi dressed as a gingerbread man. You had Xavier, Xavier sorry, Xavier dressed as a reindeer. And you had Big E being the Big E elf. Uh, <laughs> had to work on that one. Yes. Uh, uh, once again, bringing out the pancakes. But then for some reason... Aiden English was dressed up like a snowman, and Rusev was Rusev Claus. Rusev Claus which, is the best thing of the week. I'm I mean, sorry. Well, here's it. We also we got to talk real quick about how over Rusev has gotten himself. Yes. Well, actually, we should give credit where credit's due. How over Aiden and Rusev have gotten themselves 
with this whole Rusev Day angle. And this has been something that's been building for a couple of weeks. They they noticed the first time that that Aiden sang it, that people reacted well to it, and they went all in on it. And now it's such a big deal that this weekend at Clash of Champions, people were chanting Rusev Day from the rafters to the floor, and Rusev was basking in it. He's like, holy shit, I'm finally really, I've got something that's really genuinely over. And he's obviously having so, he's, so much fun with it can't stop grinning can't stop smiling he can't, he can't help himself he can't help himself from just smiling about it and they, they're throwing rusev shirts out right and left i just read today rusev shirts are so popular every single size is sold out in the wwe store they're back ordered till the beginning of january damn it's it is a huge phenomenon right now rusev day and you know what i couldn't be happier about it and it, both of those guys. And another aspect I want to talk about. So these two teams had a match, a completely goofy Christmas, you know, all the all the stuff getting thrown, pancakes and and whipped cream and uh, maraschino you know, cherries came maraschino out. Cherries. Yeah, just all kinds of <laughs> and Rusev's Rusev's boxer briefs came out oh, with happy man. Rusev day on the butt. Yes. Very goofy match with some genuinely good wrestling spots in it, but a complete comedy match. What I want to throw out there and this is something, something I saw at Clash of Champions and I saw this week on SmackDown. The audience is getting who these teams are. They are cheering for the heels when it's appropriate to cheer for the heels and saying, oh, you know, singing along to Rusev Day and cheering Rusev. But when it's time to cheer for the New Day, they cheer for the New Day and giving the New Day rocks chant. They are cheering for the faces when it's appropriate. And when they don't, they don't have to cheer for the faces. They will cheer for the heels. But when they, they'll boo them when they have to, too. They're they're actually playing along correctly with these feuds because the teams are just that damn good. I 100% agree. It was easily my Rusev clause was my spot or segment or match or whatever you want to call it of the week. Uh, I, I nothing made me more sports entertained all week. Long. And it's one of those bits where if you show someone who's not a wrestling fan, it would have made their heads explode. Like right. what, what you people, you people actually watch this. It's so <laughs> ridiculous and goofy and unreal but god damn it was it fun and just just ridiculous silly fun yes uh what was not fun was what went on in the women's division charlotte comes out in in all of her glory and her peacock feathers and begins to say she's amazing and i defended and all of this great stuff and rightfully so she was not wrong about any of it well she's also started talking about the women's royal rumble match yes and re- repeating a lot of the things that stephanie said and and reiterated some of those points over on smackdown but live very robotically i might add yes and you know who made this possible it was all of you you made this uh, it was it was one of her worst promos. And then Naomi comes out. And Naomi declares herself, as I mentioned earlier, as the first woman entrant into the Women's Royal Rumble match at the pay-per-view in a month. Uh, and had an, an interesting, friendly, but quabbling kind of exchange yeah, with Charlotte was, in the ring. I like this. They, yeah. you know, they're, they're playing them as friends. The good guys are friends. And she said, you know, in the, I'm coming for your title when I win the Royal Rumble. And Charlotte was like, oh, are you? Oh. And I was okay. Well, and it was, a, it was a cute little moment. When out comes... The frickin' Riot Squad. Right. And there's a match, and it's a tag match. Charlotte and Naomi against Sarah Logan and uh, Ruby Riot, I believe. Yep. And it was it was not good. No. Um, I, will, I will give credit where credit's due. There was a sequence between Naomi and Sarah Logan that was particularly good. Sarah Logan sold a, a high kick really well. Um, 
I don't. She also lost to the rear view, the quote unquote rear view, which is one of the most ridiculously named finishing moves, which is basically a giant butt hip check. Yeah. Which is not something anyone should lose to, no. let alone a team you're trying to make look legit, which they once again didn't. They made the riot squad look like fools again. I, you know, they've already completely buried this this team of three women that they're trying to put over. They're just there to be jobbers for the stars of SmackDown, and I think it's terrible booking. It's a terrible idea. If you're yeah, gonna have, if you're gonna rip off Monday Night Raw, <laughs> just go all the way with it and have them be dominant. Don't try to do something different and have them be jobbers because then they're gonna, no one's gonna care about them. Yeah, at this point, put them in costumes and make them be stupid comedy equivalents of what's going on in the men's tag division. You know, it, that, they, they would probably wouldn't get over at that. Right. Anyway, that, that, there's no reason that should have worked. I might add. There's Where no was, reason uh, that should have worked. No, not at all. It did because they're awesome. Where was the rest of the roster tonight, by the way? I don't know. There Where was, was Bobby of, Roode there was coming no, out and, and saying something about the U.S. title? Yeah. Where was Baron Corbin in the, the exact yeah. same thing? Uh, where were the Bludgeon Brothers and Brizongo after all of the stuff? Sure. Or Mojo yeah. and Zach. Uh, the rest of the women's division. You know, uh, Natalia, I think, is probably going to be off TV for a while because of her speech. Yeah, Carmella, Tamina, Lana, they weren't there. I think this was WWE's way of uh, working in holiday breaks. Okay. You know what I mean? I think we're probably not going to see people next week. Next week, we have Raw on Christmas Day and uh, SmackDown on Boxing Day. I guess you call right? Yeah. The day after Christmas? The day Box, after, Boxing yeah. Day. Uh, so I think because they're making them work the holiday, they're giving some of the people the time off this week and then... We'll probably see a reduced roster next week as well. Yeah. Just try to get them some holiday time. I actually think it's a, if that's what it is, I think it's a good idea. On no, it's fantastic. I always applaud any company that does uh, kind of shutdowns or gives people plenty of time for breaks for holidays well, and stuff. Ooh, ooh, that noise means it, what's the, it must be time to stop talking about all that stuff and go talk about what's going on in the wide world of wrestling. Oh, well, okay. I mean, we're just going to have a mini one this week. Yeah, last week, last week we did like everything and its mother. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed that. That was a nice big segment. <laughs> Good Lord. so much wrestling going on There's right now. so much wrestling. Yeah, that's going to be a little one this week because we, we got to talk about NXT because the show this week, I mean, it's only their second week on the USA Network and they put on another barn burner of a show. Barn burner. I mean, let's just start at the top of NXT yes. with, with the tag match. Uh, Sanity defending their titles against Red Dragon. I mean, we, we're not calling them that. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Right. But, uh, you know, they, they've been tag champs everywhere. They were I mean, tag talk about tag coming out of the gate swinging. Oh, yeah. With, with this match. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it just had fantastic psychology, uh, great character work by, by Fish and O'Reilly. Yeah. And also, you know, I got to say by Sanity as well. Obviously, Alexander Wolf out because he's still messed up from the War Games match. Legit messed up. Still looks like Frankenstein. Yeah, right. He's been stitches, put back together. Staples and stitches. And I mean, he's got like beads in his head. And uh, oh, I don't man. know what they had. on. T- it was like a weird way of like ornamenting the stitches or staples. I couldn't tell. But then like the neck brace. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, so it was it was the remaining members of Sanity versus the Undisputed Era. And, you know, you had Killian Dane once again looking like a monster. And the, the, again, the psychology of the whole match Worked really well. All the dynamics playing off each other, even having Adam Cole come out at one point trying to run interference and getting his ass kicked by Nikki Cross, who had to be carried away by referees and the audience chanting, let her fight. Yeah. Which was an awesome moment, too. You have to be reminded that Nikki Cross is a psychopath who will kick anyone's ass, even though she's four foot 
nine or whatever she is yeah absolutely she whipped his ass and it was funny that they left him there licking his wounds and to stay outside and continue to cheer on his guys Uh, she got carried don't think too much about it yeah come on guys (laughs) well you had to have a reason for the tag championships to change hands which they did your new champions undisputed era I, th- I think this is the right decision. I, well, I have my own crazy, wild, wonderland, fantasy kind oh, of no. speculations. But, Here we go again. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not going to go down. We're not going to do that again. But I, I don't know if it was the right call, but I, I think that they still look strong in defeat. This was a fantastic tag match between two fantastic teams. It really doesn't matter who the belt's on. And again, the commentary, not only is the commentary fantastic on SmackDown, yeah. a really quick callback to, again, the comedy match that we were so high on. One of the reasons it was so much fun is the commentary. The, the three guys in commentary there were having way the hell too much fun with that match. I think Corey Graves quoted the entirety of the movie Elf during that segment, <laughs> yes. and it was brilliant. All three of them cracking each other up and just genuinely having a good time. That's so infectious, and there's so it's so much more freedom than you know having JBL there just dragging everyone down or Michael Cole on Raw here on NXT. You have three guys, well, two and a half guys. Percy's not quite there yet, although he's he's getting better. But you've got Mauro Ronaldo and you've got Nigel McGuinness, who are over on the sideline talking really technically about the match and also understanding how to portray the psychology in a way that protects all of the wrestlers. Even though Sanity loses and they pick up the pin, they talk about how it was because they had that one moment of just not keeping the eye on the prize. Like they were totally, they could have done it, but they just had a moment of a momentary lapse of reason or whatever, whatever, you know, how are they want to describe it? It keeps everyone looking good. The veteran Eric Young making a mistake. You know, sure. Yeah. They played Eric, up into that. Yeah. Oh, he makes a single error. We can't believe he made an error because a very unlike Eric Young, you know, or meet or they talk about how Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, like, how are they going to possibly beat Kelly and Dane? And they figured out a way that they're Wiley. It's all really good the way that they're calling these matches. Uh, and this was a great example of. The strength of having guys who understand wrestling, understand how to call it in a way that that communicates what's happening in the ring very clearly to the viewer. Well, we've both been very high on AOP in the past and thinking that they were the next ones to come up, but I really think we're going to see another appearance by Killian Dane in the Rumble match in a month, and we're going to see Sanity start to make their way into the main roster. And what I'm undetermined of is whether it's going to be Eric Young in singles or what, and we'll see Wolf and Dane in a kind of a tag, kind of an Anderson and Gallows sort of role. But the, this stable, this team, and especially if they can figure out how to bring Nikki Cross with them eventually or at the same time, having a big established stable like that is one of the things that's missing and frankly has been missing on the main rosters on TV for a long time. Okay, you like pie-in-the-sky speculation. Yeah. Let me give you one. Okay, go. Uh, Sanity has a rematch with Fish and O'Reilly at, uh, at TakeOver Philadelphia, which yep. is the night before Royal Rumble. They lose. And then the next night, Nikki Cross comes out in the Women's Rumble, and the rest of the members of Sanity come out in the men's. I love it. Uh, you like I that? I love it. Mm. Stop it. I'm, Tasty. I'm, I'm touching myself. Uh, I, I, oh my okay, goodness. stop that. Hey, put that away. Woo! God Speaking of being Nick. excited about something, we got to see the heavy machinery boys again. Woo! Dozer. Oh my Dozer God. goes out and tries to press or squat their Maserati. <laughs> Oh. Of Moss and Sabatelli's Maserati. Let's 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 be clear about what's going on here. These guys have been feuding for a while. We actually saw them in a match at the house show we yes. went to out in Riverside. So they've been working matches for a while on the down low. They're obviously moving towards an actual feud with these guys. I, I can tell you right now, listeners, the match that we saw them do at Riverside was a joy. Yes. If these guys do anything like that in NXT, you are going to have a treat. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. They've been it's on the verge of being a comedy match. But 
Don't let that don't let let that, let that think you that it wasn't a good match because it was good. Otis walking around and waddling and flipping his arms around, yeah. and tucking his chin around. Just, it's hilarious. His physicality is fantastic. Uh, that, I've, that kind of stuff is gold. You know, and, while we're while we're talking about the NXT tag division, Nick, I, yeah. I'm going to actually stop the show real quick here. Okay, I, I have a I have a surprise for you. Oh, um, as you know, it's a couple days from Christmas. And oh. whatever you think of Christmas, with the holiday season, and the spirit of the spirit of giving. If Dozer walks through the door right now, I'm going to shit myself. I don't think Dozer would fit through the door, but it's <laughs> no, it's okay. some, it's something else I picked up for you uh, that I just I'm going to I'm going to pass across the room here to you and uh, Merry what? Merry Christmas, sir. What is, what is this? Go ahead and read it out for the the, the listeners at home. It's it's a, in the car. A book. It's a book. It's a book called Pain. Yes. Uh, written by Occam and Razor, the authors of the authors of uh, authors of pain of pain. So much pun, an original unauthorized parody book. Yes. Okay, yeah, it's, I, not, it's I, not legit. Go uh, ahead, go ahead it's got a forward up. by Paul Ellering. Yes, it does. Uh, so let's, um, let's take a look at this, see what we got here. Ah, so I'll read a little bit of this oh, by, please, by please Paul do. Ellering. <clears throat> As a professional wrestling manager, I've toured the world with some of the greatest teams to ever step foot inside the squared circle, but few people know of my true passion, discovering and fostering strong literary talent. You won't find stronger writers than Occam and Razor, my authors of pain. I'm, I'm, I'm dying on the inside. This is amazing. Thank you. You're very welcome. This is fantastic. Where, uh, where may, did you get this? May, I didn't if, even if, know this existed. If I, may, if I may take it back for a oh, second, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a, a little moment. There's a, there's, there was one thing that uh, th- this, was, this was the poem that got me to read. So oh, this is, okay. So I found this uh, uh, surfing Reddit, and uh, I, I found this, and they have this. They sell this on Amazon. So if anyone wants to go to Amazon okay. and pick up Pain by the authors of Pain, uh, you can get it on Amazon either on Kindle or it, uh, in, a, in paperback, as sure. we have here. Uh, this is a book of poetry by the authors of Pain, okay. uh, supposedly by the authors of Pain. <laughs> uh, and I'd like to read a poem called Authors of Pain, Co-Authors in Life. When you're beaten and weary and don't know where to go, tag your partner. When gold is on the line, tag your partner. When a cloudy day gets you down, tag your partner. When Paul Ellering confused you for the Legion of Doom, cry, then tag your partner. (laughs) When a jabroni tests your mettle, tag tag your partner. When your favorite show makes you sad, tag your partner. When you can't find your keys, tag your partner. When you feel a nice breeze, tag your partner. When you just can't even, tag your partner. When you miss your friend Steven, tag your partner. When the world beats you down, tag your partner. When the squared circle proves unforgiving, tag your partner. When you don't know what to do next, tag your partner, and all will be okay. But don't forget to hold the tag rope. I'm, I'm moved. I'm, I'm moved emotionally. There's that, lots that, more. That is so beautiful. There's lots more in this book, but I'll, I'll let you read that. I think we've, uh, we've taken enough time. Uh, on the book of pain by the authors of pain. Uh, let's move on and talk about oh, an- another, speaking of being moved. Another, ma- another match on this show that I know you were a big fan of. I'll be reading it while I move something else later on. But anyway, oh, let's move God. on Woo! to the match of the week. Again, a big man, in my opinion, match of the week. What the hell are well, you talking okay, about? This is my match of the week. And I'll tell you exactly why that robot Roderick strong ch- again, trying to get yet another NXT championship run. This time he ran into Lars Sullivan. Yeah, we had another. Uh, this was a, a a a a trial match for whoever wins this gets put in the fatal four way for the number one contendership. Uh, Roderick Strong versus Lars Sullivan, 
who has a new entrance, by the way, that is freaking terrifying. Is it, I'm going to add, and he's got a new sobby sob story promo package. Well, that's about- Roderick Strong as the new as new as new sob story, but uh, Lars Sullivan is the new oh, entrance. Oh yes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen, they, they they the preamble of this match was this coming from a trailer park in Tampa, Florida, and you know blah 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 sob story, and I never thought I'd get here, and you've had 27 chances, dude. You know, and you think you're going to go through Lars? See, this See, is the irony of this, though, is the match wasn't bad. The match was really because Roderick Strong is a great wrestler. We've said this He's numerous times. He's a fantastic times. wrestler, and to me, they're they're having him on the same trail as Sami Zayn was three years ago. They are playing the Sami Zayn playbook, the guy who just can never get it done. And when the right time comes along. Roderick Strong is going to have his Sami Zayn versus Adrian Neville match, and he's going to have a monstrous reaction from the crowd because he finally, finally, finally pulls it off. So I have no problem with them building Roderick Strong this way and him losing again because he's not going to be the guy who's going to beat Lars Sullivan. Nope. He's absolutely not. Lars Sullivan, of course, very good match, crushes him at the end. But I'm going to point out, we now have all four members of this Fatal 4-Way match. It's a freaking bunch of big dudes you've got lars sullivan you've got killian dane uh not so big but definitely a big striker you've got uh alistair black and then you have little johnny gargano over on the side but i want to point out two of these guys are undefeated mm-hmm. lars sullivan and alistair black have never been pinned or submitted somebody's losing here yeah i we can start speculating now but uh sorry johnny <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's gonna ain't be gonna fine. be you uh it, sorry it, killian dane it ain't gonna be you uh yeah. well uh, I'm, I'm looking gargano's eating that pin uh, I, sure, and I don't think they're going to put Lars Sullivan in a title match yet. Uh, this is Aleister Black. We've called it as Aleister Black. We've called that he's going to be the next one in line. Uh, it makes uh, everything plays out to make all I, kinds of sense. I think Killian Dane's taking it personally. Really? Yeah, because here's the thing. I don't think whoever's winning this is beating uh, Cien Almas for the title. Okay. I think they need to have someone who can who can you can have. Gargano eat the pin and not ha- uh, lose the undefeated streak of Black and uh, Lars Sullivan. Uh, Dane can go on and eat a loss to Cien Almas, uh, who can figure out a way to, to get him and not have anyone's streak get beaten. And Gargano can lose because Gargano is the kind of character that can lose from time to time and still be fine. Yeah. So that's, that's my speculation based on what we have right here and the possibilities. Of course, NXT is great at proving me wrong and making me happy that I was wrong. So... We'll see. Well, I was kidding about that whole match of the week thing because now we got to talk about the match of the week. Yeah, this is the true match of the week, man. Uh, I was mostly just marking out about Lars Sullivan. Um, Tyler Bate faced off against Pete Dunne, the current UK champion, in a UK championship match. Yes, this last was week essentially we were calling it, version 3-0, yeah, right? Yes, well said. I, I, I had to correct us. Last week we said it was two yeah. because all I could think about was their last one that they had early, <laughs> earlier this year, which was a classic and arguably possibly match of the year in WWE. Uh, and but they had had one before that, the end of the UK championship. So yep. this was this was eight done part three, and God damn it, those boys did it again. Good God, they did I, it again. I have never seen the level of technical wrestling that two guys have consistently put on like these two guys have whenever they're in the ring together. It's absurd how good they are. I ha- I have, but like we're talking New Japan or you know, it's not WWE. I'll tell you that. These guys, I mean, they're, the style of match is not very WWE. No. This is not a WWE style match, what they're doing here. But it's incredible. And it's we would be doing a disservice to try and break it down. It's one of those things you just have to go watch. And not not because you need to know, you know, you need to go watch it because it's if you are a wrestling fan, this is mandatory. 
to watch this. It's a good 20-minute match, too. They let them go forever. Yeah. I mean, we. I remember starting it in the hour-long <laughs> thing of, you know, if you cancel off the entrances and the, the stuff at the end, there's a good 20 minutes of actual technical mat wrestling in there, which you really don't see in the a, WWE anymore. And a great build to the whole thing. Absolutely. And, and I still to, to, have no idea how Pete Dunne did not break Tyler Bates' finger when he did that, <laughs> that one move. Well, we heard the snap when he put it back in place. You can I hear mean, it. I mean, they have a trick, but I still don't know how they do the finger snap trick. We heard Marty Skrull do it at the one point where he's got a really good snap sound that yeah. he pulls off. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, man, I just I, I can't say enough good things. You know, we were talking about how Cassius Ono versus Johnny Gargano might have been one of the greatest TV matches ever, and I'm like, when you see stuff like this, you can't. I, that's this throws it completely into argument because this was this was absolutely mind blowingly good. Yes, absolutely must go see that. It is the one thing, in my opinion, that is must watch for this week. Absolutely, it is just the this, whole NXT show, frankly, from end to end. Yeah. They they are killing it, and I'm wondering how much of it they're front loading because of what they're because they're now in USA and they've got to make make a good showing of it. Sure, I mean a lot of these were recorded a while ago, sure. so this was this is not stuff they recorded this week. Yeah. Uh, but it was great because, again, like you said, this week we had three separate matches, and each one was very different from the other one. You had three really good showings of different styles of matches. So way to go, NXT. Uh, we got to go talk about Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor last Friday, after we recorded last week, had its final battle pay-per-view, a very big pay-per-view. Uh, lots of big matches with lots of implications on this show and very surprising outcomes. Because one match that we thought was wrapped up, we talked about this last week. How can you have a match between Cody and Dalton Castle for the Ring of Honor Championship when they're billing Cody as defending his Ring of Honor Championship at Wrestle Kingdom 12 January 4th in New Japan? How do you do that? Because, I mean, is Dalton Castle, if he wins, going to go defend it? Is Cody going to, if he loses, is he going to go just have a match? Well, we're going to find out because Cody lost the belt. Never we, saw this coming. Never saw that coming. I, we thought Cody was taking the belt into Japan because they were already promoting it and kind of screwing over the finish of this match, but nope. Dalton Castle is your new Ring of Honor champion. This makes me wonder and speculate about if Cody's done with Ring of Honor and that this was a way for him to just be done and maybe go full-time in New Japan. I don't know. I, I don't know if he's done with Ring of Honor. I, I have a feeling he'll stay on. Uh, and continue to have a feud with Castle into the new year is my is my suspicion, um, or he's trying to free himself up because he's got a lot of other indie dates to hit. I yeah. don't I don't know. All I do know is that they did change the card for Wrestle Kingdom. It is now Cody versus Kota Ibushi for a non title match. It's just a match. Uh-huh. That's what they did. They just took the title out of it. And huh. like, so I, I don't know if this is Ring of Honor screwing them over if they had no idea this was going to happen because they're now left with a less exciting match. I certainly. If I was New Japan, I would not be happy with this outcome because it makes this match mean less. It'll still probably be a good match. I mean, Kota Ibushi can and has had a good match with a blow-up doll. So he's proved he could have a... He had a, I think, like a four-and-a-half-star match, something like that. Like he, he, So one with Cody, you're saying, should be marginally better. I would hope so. <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, the, the match... The Cody, the Cody and Dalton Castle match was not a classic either. It was serviceable. I mean, yeah. Cody has not had any classic matches on no. the indies. Maybe he'll come out in the Stardust paint. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> lawsuits down lawsuits for everyone. Lawsuits for everyone. Let's see. Other things that happened on Ring of Honor Final Battle. Uh, Will Ospreay had a match with Matt, Ta- uh, Matt Taven. And uh, this was also... This opened the show. 
And it was a fantastic way to open the show. Super high energy, hard hitting. Uh, Osprey hit Tavin with this forearm this, from the back while Tavin was sitting on the ground that looked legit to me. Hit the, hit the crap out of him. Great match, although in the end, Tavin picks up the win and is uh, now saying he's going to go for some gold in Ring of Honor. Uh, Will Ospreay, I think his contract is coming to an end in Ring of Honor, and he may go somewhere else as well. Mm. So it uh, might be why he picked up the loss here to put Tavin over on his way out. Uh, we also had a tag match between Addiction and War Machine, which Addiction won, and at the end of which, War Machine turned to the audience, bowed, and left. There's and a there's, lot of that going on in well, the last week or so. There is a lot of that because the new year's coming up and there's a lot of contracts that come up in the new year. And uh, uh, we've speculated before that Ricochet may be heading to NXT. He's given away all his indie dates. He's not booked for anything in the new year. He may be getting announced for NXT soon. War Machine is also supposedly heading to NXT. What? Which is going to be awesome. Uh, it's Well, one of the guys one of the guys in War Machine is dating Sarah Logan, too. So he's got an in at, at WWE. Uh. So we may be seeing War Machine in in uh nxt and there's a team you don't have to change a damn thing about them they come pre-packaged they come ready to go you plug them right in and if if anything i don't know how much time they're going to need to get ready for nxt i don't think any time at all really i think they're ready to go off the bat you put them right into a few with with authors of pain or heavy machinery or someone like that and you are going to have some slam dunk <sighs> big boy matches Woo. you know i'm a fan of those uh, speaking of things i'm a fan of marty Skrull. Uh, had a match against Jay Lethal. Yeah, match of the night, I thought. And this this was a killer, killer match. Lots of great spots. Uh, I was kind of surprised Jay Lethal won this one. I thought Marty was going to start getting a push. I guess they're not quite ready to give Marty a push. But, mm. man, I, I mean, this could have gone either way as far as uh, who they gave this one to. But, yeah, th- this was another match that I, I thought was Well, if it's not going to be Cody because he dropped the belt to to Dalton, we all kind of thought Marty Skrull might be the next guy. Yeah, so. if, if Dalton had, had lost, I think there was some speculation that, that Skrull would have been the next guy to come up. But I think with Castle winning, this is their way of saying, oh, Skrull's still in the mid card for now. Huh. So, okay. But it was definitely, I mean, they both put themselves over big time. Match of the night contender, as I said. Uh, another match that I was actually a bit of a letdown was the Motor City Machine Guns against the uh, Best Friends. Uh, and mm, yeah, this it didn't quite click, uh, which is too bad because I, I, I love Chucky e. T. I love the Best Friends. It's, it was too bad. But uh, yeah, it was, it, there was nothing. There was not really a bad match on this pay-per-view. This one just stood out as being not as good as the other ones, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, another match I was looking forward to not liking but ended up liking a lot. <laughs> okay was uh, punishment is a four-way, four-way elimination match. Punishment Martinez versus Kenny King versus Shane Taylor versus Silas Young. Kenny King uh, defending his TV championship, but he was the first person eliminated. He was the first one out, and then he had everyone else fighting for it. I thought this was going to go to Punishment Martinez, but uh, at the, in the end, Silas Young pulls it out, uh, and he is your new TV champ. So I, basically, you end up with a triple threat match for the TV title. Kind of, yeah, like, yeah. but it's still an elimination match. You oh, know? Okay, so yeah. it ended up being it ended up being punishment. Martinez and Silas Young in the end, and uh, Silas goes over. I still say, I mean, I, I I'm sure there's reasons for it. I don't know why they took it off Kushida. I'm just gonna say that right now, mm. but I'm sure there's reasons for it. That's okay. I got Kushida in a four way at at Wrestle Kingdom. I'm happy. Uh, we also had the Briscoes beating the team of Bully Ray and Tommy Dreamer in a street fight, which was. As you'd expect, kendo sticks, tables, of course, tables. Yes. Come on. Uh, all kinds of table spots. People getting busted open. Bully Ray getting busted open. Cheese graters. Uh, it was a nice, hardcore, felt like an ECW match. 
Briscoes went over as they should. You know, Bully Ray and Tommy Dreamer should be putting people over at this point. Uh, the Briscoes are a great tag team. Uh, and this may have been Bully Ray's last match. We've been saying that for a while. That oh, he's no, really? Speculating on him leaving. He left his, he left his shoes in the ring. Oh. So don't know. You know, in wrestling, you never really retire. Right. <laughs> Even if you're Ric Flair, you never really retire. So we'll see. But uh, but it was, it was a great match. Very entertaining. Uh, and then last but not least, the Hung Bucks in uh, one of the more controversial matches of the night defended their six-man tag belts against uh, the team of Flip Gordon, Dragon Lee, who, by the way, is going to be the new, in my opinion, the new big high-flying star of the world, and uh, Titan. And uh, Hung Bucks win. Hung Bucks, of course, the Young Bucks with Hangman Page. Yep. Uh, and they're the current champs. They retain. The thing is, is once again, you have a whole bunch, bunch of Young Bucks tomfoolery in this with very choreographed spots, uh, drop kick party where everyone's just drop kicking air at each other. Uh, some some very choreographed stuff, and it made Jim Cornette go absolutely apoplectic on social media, as you'd expect. <laughs> and so they they reignited their feud. Uh, Cornette and Cornette hates the Young Bucks because he thinks he thinks that they're taking the realism out of wrestling. Right, WWE uh, did that a long time ago. Right. Well, then Cornette, and this is the thing: is the Young Bucks are coming back at Cornette and saying, "Hey, man, I think it was uh, Matt Jackson of the yeah. two of them. He came back on Twitter. Cornette's bitching about their 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 spots, and Matt Jackson saying, "Look, if you're such a fucking genius, I, I was here in Ring of Honor when you ran the place, and we're doing double the numbers." And he's right. Ring of Honor has never had a bigger year, bigger year numbers wise in attendance than they have this year. So. Yeah, Cornette, you don't really have a, a a table to sit at. Really. I'm tired of seeing the old dudes. Respect to the old dudes, but I'm tired of seeing the old dudes that made their claim and their, put their stake in the ground in the 80s coming in and talking about wrestling in the 2010s because it's it's turned on its head. Yeah. It's completely different, guys. Like, I don't care if Cornette did 100,000 people back in 82. Like It's not 1982 anymore, dude. Yeah. You know? like Did you do 100,000 last week? No. You know? So... Uh, Roman Reigns did, and if you know if the WWE is, is doing those kinds of numbers, well, they're doing something right right now. If if you couldn't sell uh, th- if you couldn't sell five thousand people for Ring of Honor, but right now they're doing twenty thousand. No, they're not. They're you know what I mean. They're, they're, yeah. I'm trying to remember. Know no, they're mean. like fourteen thousand. No, um, they filled they filled they filled the Odeon, which is a few thousand, but they're doing big numbers for Ring of Honor, and they're doing consistent thousand uh, person numbers every on their weekly shows. So yeah. they're doing really well. So, yeah, he's, you know, if you're not making those numbers, then what are you talking about? Right. Well, that's Ring of Honor final battle. We've got a few more quick notes here. Uh, one of them being which that The Miz, Mike Mizanin. 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 Mizanin is Rolling Stones Wrestler of the Year. Yeah. And I could not agree with them more. You know, and here's, I didn't know Rolling Stone picked a Wrestler of either. the Year. Uh, but good for them. I mean, yeah. That's interesting. This has definitely been a controversial pick online. With a lot of people saying, no, Braun Strowman had a bigger year. AJ Styles is the wrestler of the year. Um, I, I think that Braun Strowman definitely could be an argument. I think AJ Styles less so. He's inarguably the best wrestler in the WWE, arguably in the world. Yes. He's definitely up there. But I don't think he's had quite the year that The Miz has in terms of, you know, being the centerpiece of the show over and over and over again, whether or not you like his match style. And so many angles. So many angles, so many successful angles, uh, getting himself over, staying hot, staying relevant, having a belt all year. These are all things that AJ, uh, some of them he did, some of them he absolutely did not do. His his 
feud with Kevin Owens was frankly a stinker, yeah. in my opinion. His time will come, though. His, oh, absolutely. I think 2018 is going to be the year of AJ Styles. Yeah, exactly. I think Miz is absolutely the right decision for this year. Uh, been, been, been high on him for a while, and he's only been stepping up his game more and more year after year. So I, I couldn't agree more with Rolling Stone on this one. Last but uh, certainly not least, Vince McMahon sold about 5% of his WWE stock uh, in a move this week to what people are speculating. There's a couple of different things that are going on here. Uh, he liquidated shares to basically get 100 to $150 million in cash and fired up a bunch of trademarks and copyrights and started a new LLC called Alpha Entertainment. Alpha Entertainment, yeah. Uh, there's two different lines of thought here. One of them is that he's restarting XFL. There's well, he filed one. five trademarks for XFL. Sure. There's another one that's going on in, out of Charlotte, North Carolina with Jerry Richardson, the Carolina Panthers owner, announcing that he's going to sell the team that Vince could be going in with a group of people to buy the Carolina Panthers. I could see that playing out as well, in addition to whatever's going on with the XFL stuff. So what are your thoughts on this, Ian? Is, is, is this just Vince trying to put fingers in more pies and not have all his eggs in one basket? Well, here's the thing. The reason that he's separating this entity from WWE is to not spook the, share, the shareholders with anything he does with it, whether it be to restart the XFL uh, or to invest in an NFL team or to just get his fingers in other sports pies, as you say. Uh, it's just his way of saying, hey, guys, what I do with my money is my business. and You don't have to worry about me. Um, I could still see some share, shareholders being a little bit spooky because they're worried about his his head kind of being somewhere else. I was going to say that that's not how that works, though. But at the same <laughs> time, you could argue that the WWE kind of runs itself at this point. He's got a lot of people in place. Like he makes the final decisions, but there's a lot of stuff that kind of goes on its own. So you know, Mac. Shane well, maybe or Shane Triple O'Mac. H or whatever. Uh, you know, the, all the other people that that are involved in writing these shows. There's a lot of things that that. You know, okay, it's a big ball and it's rolling on its own pretty much. So this is his way of not spooking his shareholders with anything that he does with this other entity uh, to to try and say what he's going to do with it at this point would just be rampant speculation. Yeah. A lot of people have tried. They're saying, oh, he's going to restart the XFL because he sees an opening because people are moving away from the NFL because of all the protests and all this stuff. It's like, eh, calm down. This is really early times yet. There is no way of knowing what he's doing, if he's just trying to get the the intellectual property for the XFL locked down and away from WWE uh, or, or whatever it is, or if he's trying to create a whole different entity with the XFL that has nothing to do with live football games. So it's way early in the process. It's very interesting to watch, and it's definitely worth watching because something big is happening here. Yep. But uh, at this point, way too early to start, start trying to say what is happening. There are all kinds of billionaires and luminaries and celebrities all scrambling to put together two and a half, three billion dollars to buy the Carolina Panthers right now. Puff Diddy keeps coming up, but I oh, could, dear Lord, I could ab- agreed as a Panthers fan, agreed. But I could absolutely see Vince McMahon going in with a team of 10 people, each putting in a big old chunk of a few hundred million and going and buying this sport ready-made Super Bowl-ready sports franchise that has been established for the better part of 20 years now. I, I could certainly see him making a smart investment. There. And let's not split hairs here. Even with this liquidation, it was only 4 to 5% of his stock. He still, yeah, he still, still has an 82% 
ownership of the balls, WWE. He still balls deep and he's in still WWE. sitting there on, at the at the controls with a headset on every single live show, making every call, communicating with the commentary. I and don't the referees. believe he's on every live show anymore, but definitely every pay per view he's there. Yeah. Uh, so. But the point is, he's he's still very involved. Yes. That's the, it's his. Baby, and I think he will sake. be till he gets put in the ground. You know, uh, absolutely. I don't. No, he's he, one of those kind of work ethic guys. Yeah, he sleeps four hours a night. I mean, the guy's yeah. a machine. You know, what, whatever we have to to bitch and complain about Vince McMahon, you have to respect, respect. his work 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 ethic in a major way. Uh, the guy is an absolute freaking machine. So very excited to see what he does with a hundred million dollars uh, with regards to any kind of professional. I'll sport. really quickly say I'll, t- yeah. I'll dip a tiny toe in the in the speculation pond by saying, "Come on in, I, the water's nice." Oh, I bet it is, uh, but I don't think that just Vince McMahon's ego. I don't know if he's the kind of guy who will buy into someone else's thing. You know what I mean? Especially as a guy who previously started a whole other football league. To compete with the NFL, why would he go get a piece of a team? That's all I'm going to say. And, and I'm just speculation. Just, eh, I don't know. Eh. That's all. Yeah. Well, hey, guys, thanks for checking us out. Sorry, again, we ran a little bit long this week. We had to uh, get into some of the outcomes of what happened at Clash of Champions. But if you want to hear our full breakdown of that entire show, we've got a whole separate episode for you recapping that pay-per-view. I mean, we could go longer. I could read another poem by the Authors of Pain. Uh, no, I, I, I think we should save those. I think we could do uh, like a little one side a week. segment. Yeah, maybe one a week. <laughs> Please well, go well, buy this book. It is, it is uh, written by A Common Razor, the Authors of Pain, uh, forwarded by Paul Ellering. It's available on Amazon. Uh, whoever actually wrote this, you guys are freaking genius. Yeah, <laughs> kudos. Absolutely. Well, that's our show for this week, guys. You can find us over on Facebook. Come on and join us. Chat with us. Tell us about what you liked for the week in the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. You can also find us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. If you want to pick up some last-minute holiday swag, I believe they're still shipping it. $14 t-shirts, all kinds of good stuff, hoodies, phone cases, coffee mugs, all kinds of great stocking stuffers, you name it. You can find it over at orbitaljigsaw.com slash store. Yeah, and thank you so much for checking out the show this week. Please come back next week. We will be back with our review of the Christmas Raw and the Boxing Day SmackDown Live. We'll be talking more about the build to the Royal Rumble, the fact that we now have a Women's Royal Rumble, and we're going to talk about who's going to win it, if it's going to be James Ellsworth or if it's going to be Santina Morella winning the, the inaugural Women's Royal Rumble. That'll be a lot to talk about there. You know what they've got planning for a Christmas present for you next week? What? Uh, that's He's right. coming back. We get John hour, Cena back. The first hour of Raw, no commercials, all all John Cena. <laughs> on that note, I'm Nick Howell. You can find me over on Twitter at Data Center Dude, and I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.